0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we are going to discuss a topic that may be of importance to you. HuffPost.com recently released an article that we found to be very relevant, a topic that we've discussed many a times during our career. Mm -hmm. Usually when we're talking to our clients or patients about nutrition lifestyle changes, we are often providing alternatives for food that are more nutritious than what the person in front of us is telling us that they eat.
1: Yeah. So that article that Joanne is referring to from HuffPost.com is called White People Food is Creating an Unattainable Picture of Health. So the article starts out by inferring that cottage cheese, pickled onions, Brussels sprouts, and candied almonds are are all categorized as white people food. Mm -hmm. It even has a quote from one black woman by the name of Tanisha Gordon, who states that restaurants and Panera basically serve the same dolled up salads. And these salads contain quote unquote extravagant ingredients. Mm. For some cultures, this is a problem because the dominant culture in the United States is the white culture. And the white culture has an impact on defining what foods are healthy and what foods are unhealthy? Exactly.
0: Oftentimes, the response we get back when we are talking to black patients and clients is, um, that's white people food. I don't think I can eat that. Girl, you know that's I've right. I've heard this from friends, families, and clients. I mean, it goes on and on and on. What about you, Kim?
1: Yes, definitely from my clients. I've basically heard it all. I guess it's because historically black people were not always privy to low fat, heart healthy foods. For instance, let's, let's look at soul food. During and after slavery, many individuals were given scraps or could not afford like the prime cuts of meat. Right, So they had to make do with the foods they received. And hence, they would add like a lot of seasoning in the form of sugar, salt, and or fat to spice up the flavor and make the dish taste a little better. And this basically is the birth of soul food. So in the field of food and nutrition, I used to wonder what are people talking about when they say white people food. But when you really mm-hmm. think about it, I can see where they're coming from. Black people are accustomed to eating a certain way traditionally.
0: Mm, very true. Last season, if you guys remember, we discussed food deserts and most in the food desert communities, they have they haven't really been exposed to these foods, these food that are categorized as
1: white people food in the article. Right. So today we brought in a guest dietitian to discuss this topic of quote unquote white people food with us. Lindsay is a registered dietitian nutritionist who lives in Harlem, New York, and she comes in contact with a lot of people from various cultures, races, socioeconomic status, and perspectives on nutrition. Also, just in case you guys were wondering, Lindsay is a Caucasian or white dietitian. Welcome to the show, Lindsay.
2: Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm really looking forward to discussing this topic today.
0: Awesome. So, are we? So, we're just going to get right into this. Growing up, I've always heard the term white people food from um, friends and some of my family members. And as a um, professional, I've heard it from my clients and my patients. Lindsay, have you heard of this term, white people food? And in your professional and cultural perspective, does such a food even exist?
2: So, professionally, I work um, in a clinical setting in Harlem, and I definitely see the term thrown around a lot because I uh, majority work with um, either African Americans or Hispanic population. And usually my patients will tell me, I don't want that white people food, of <laughs> like Brussels sprouts and kale yeah, and funny. stuff like that. Where I've also had patients, one time I had a patient that had um, gastric bypass, and all she wanted was white people food of like salmon and kale and bok choy, which I was like, that's more Chinese, but okay. From culturally, I grew up very differently, I think, compared to a lot of white people. I'm Jewish. And so I was always eating very weird foods like gefilte fish and stuff. Oh, okay. But I definitely think there's this field of like white people's food and white people's food is what is healthy and other cultures are not. Wow, that
1: is very interesting. I never knew that you were Jewish, Lindsay.
2: I was always eating like really weird things and people would make fun of me because they didn't understand what I was eating.
1: That's interesting that you have, you know, both perspectives that come into play with this. So let me ask you this. So seeing that you had clients that would say, oh, no, I don't want this white people food or the other client that had the gastric bypass and she wanted, quote unquote, white people food. Do you think that terminology is correct? Do you think that it's accurate to label such food
2: as white people food? I would. It's more about stereotypes. And I don't a lot of white people that I know are. I think it's more of a class thing because a lot of low-income people I know can't like afford things like salmon and kale and stuff like that because it's harder to obtain. And um, my, because I my mom's family is from like a rural place in Missouri and they never like ate these foods. They grew up eating a lot of like fast food and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and they're all white. I think there is some. Like accuracy of it, but it's more of like a class. It would I would think it's like rich people's food rather than like white people's food. Right.
0: So that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I really believe there is a class or a status, socioeconomic status thing when it comes to this definition of white people, you know, food. So as a white dietitian, have you found there to be any challenges when you're educating black patients about their oh. diet?
2: Um personally have I think an issue with this. I know a lot of my coworkers do. Um I always one of my goals as a healthcare practitioner is to be able to like understand all cultural foods. So I've always gone out and I try a lot of cultural foods from different cultures. And I like to read up on cultures and just be really educated on different foods and so when I go and talk to like a black patient I'll be like okay like what are your favorite foods like what do you like to eat and they'll tell me kind of things that they eat and then I'll be like okay like some of this we can incorporate into like this is healthy food like collard greens If they eat collard greens I'm like this is healthy like most of my patients live in Harlem which I also live in Harlem and so it's a food desert and so we'll kind of talk about Where's the, what's the easiest place to go and stuff like that. And then they'll ask me questions if I know certain foods. And usually I'm like, yes, I love that. (laughs) And well, it's easy for me, but I know a lot of, especially white dietitians really struggle with working with cultural foods and stuff like that.
0: Wow. I, I didn't even know that Harlem was a food desert. You know, I live in the South. I've always lived in the South. I didn't know Harlem was a food desert. Me too.
2: Oh, guys, I... I actually, so, especially where my work is, so I work in, Harlem's very large. I work in East Harlem, and a lot of the patients live over there, and there is not a grocery store. Like, it's more, it's, like, bodega life over there. And so it's very hard to find actual, like, fresh food. Everything is, like, packaged. Oh, my goodness. So they have to work with what's over there, or... You know, if they're in the shape, they can um, go into more into West Harlem where there's at least like one grocery store. But I have been actually petitioning in Harlem for years to get like at least the Trader Joe's or something that's more affordable in the neighborhood. Because even I have to take the subway at least 40 blocks to go to Trader Joe's.
1: And I mean, to be honest with you, Lindsay, I love the fact that you said you live in the same community where you are serving. That really shows to me that, you know, as you said earlier, that you read up on different cultures and how to incorporate fresh foods. The fact that you're living in the same situation that your that your patients are living in, it gives you more of a pull as a practitioner on how to recommend certain diet modifications, which leads us into our next question. So I think you hit on this a little bit. Prior, but do you have any tips for introducing new foods to different cultures and also Um, like changing the white people food perception
2: sometimes we're allowed to take go with the patients out on like pass to like there's like this it's a weird mix between a bodega slash it's kind of a grocery it's a sad definition of a grocery store but i'll like go it's across the street from our hospital and sometimes i'll go with the patients and i'll be like i'll take like Brussels sprouts, for instance, I feel like that's just, like, popular, very, like, white <laughs> person food definition. <laughs> and they can be, and I'll tell the patients, I'm like, this can be so disgusting, I was like, you have to, like, use seasoning, and I'm like, but it's pretty affordable, like, because it just come if you just buy it on the stock, rather than, like, ripped up in a bag, or if you get it frozen, and I'll go around and teach them about a lot of Frozen, but brine frozen over like fresh sometimes it's more affordable and you can add a lot of seasonings and I'll always bring I'll bring a bunch of packets I keep seasonings on my desk and mm-hmm. I'll um bring them up to their room and we'll season like different vegetables in the room and I'll teach them how mm. to kind of incorporate them into their diet with actual flavor rather than bland disgustingness Hmm.
0: I agree to that. I, and I think that's one of the reasons why um, the black community is so weary of starting or trying any of these foods because they just think it doesn't taste good and it's not going to have any flavor. Um, so I totally agree with that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was going to piggyback on your comment, Joanne. The flavoring and the seasoning is a big deal. I I, I don't know if it's anything genetics, but I know in my hospital, which I'm in the south, that a lot of the patients um, of color do tell me, like, "Oh, I need extra salt. I need extra pepper." So I love the fact, Lindsay, that you know you have those extra seasoning packets available to spice up these foods.
2: I just remember I have this like horrible memory of the first time I ate Brussels sprouts when I went over to my friend's house when I was a child. It was all they did was steam them, and I like wanted to vomit. And I, was like, <laughs> I, I, I was like, "Oh my god, what is this?" I was like, "I grew up." I just I'm a very weird white person. I grew up like, like around Indian culture and Asian culture. And I was just like, Oh, God, I was like, can you think bland? Like, this is horrible. And um, my significant other is African American. And so like, I'm just used to eating non bland food. And so They're not like, I'm like, I get you patience. like some white people food is just like they don't know how to properly like season things. Mm.
1: You know, I want to go back to something that you said that you are, quote unquote, weird white person. So earlier you made mention that some of your colleagues do find it difficult to educate Hispanic cultures or African-American cultures on healthy food choices. Could you expound a little bit on
2: that? Yeah, so I think some of my coworkers just haven't kind of been exposed maybe to like different people. Um one of my coworkers is actually from Russia and so she definitely like has a lot of barriers due to that because in Russia obviously there isn't a lot of variety of people and mm. so she will always like come to me. One of my other coworkers, that um one of my coworkers is Hispanic, and so she'll come to us and be like, "Okay, like what, what should I do here?" And we'll give her advice. And then a few of my other coworkers, they're just from places in the U.S. that just don't have um just a wide variety of people, so they're not exposed to different cultures, mm-hmm. which I think can be such a barrier to right. being a dietitian because it's. You're not going to, especially in New York, you're not, it's a melting pot of people. So you're not, you either need to go educate yourself, which is what I do mm-hmm. and use that or have to learn.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so the HuffPost article made mention that healthy food, healthy foods have historically been less, less accessible to black Americans or black people in general um, in a number of ways so f- for you Lindsay why do you think that is why do you think healthy foods historically have been less accessible to the black community
2: I guess the term like structural kind of racism the way it's like the way cities are set up and kind of black communities are segregated and still in certain areas where it's like majority black and most like just New York's a prime example it's like like the Upper East Side it's I'm majority like rich wealthy white people mm. but The crazy part is East Harlem is right on top of Upper East Side and it's majority Hispanic or African-American. Yet you'll go to an an area in Upper East Side and there's like five um, fancy grocery stores, like Whole Foods. um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a Trader Joe's, um, this store called Fairway, which is like so pricey. I can't shop there. It's too expensive for me too. And then I just think, It's disgusting how, I mean, America is in that people just don't care about, like, other races and their health. There's like, oh, they're unhealthy. Like, why would we even try to um, provide, like, healthier foods at a lower cost? I think there's a lot of stereotyping that a majority of, like, African-American people eat fast food and junk food. I mean, it's disgusting to me that that's the world we live in.
1: Yeah. And I think you definitely hit the nail on the head that, you know, we have all these stereotypes surrounding us and yeah, black people or Hispanic people or whatever type of minorities eat fast food. So why even try? What do you think about that, Joanne?
0: I, I agree to a lot that Lindsay said, Um, you know, it, it really sucks because if the rich feels if it's not affecting the rich, they're not gonna really try to make a difference or make a change in what's going on in these food desert communities. So until it's affecting them, I, I don't know if we're gonna see a change and if if we're gonna see um more of of desegregation or equality where black communities, Hispanic communities, and other minor other minority communities have equal access to the same kinds of foods that the richer and white communities have and the thing is that you know uh grocery stores they don't see a benefit to putting their stores in these communities because they don't think they're going to be making the money that they're making in these other higher socioeconomic status communities so they're not even going to try to make that change either
2: i think that's like such a problem especially where i live it's like i that's why i join a lot of like groups and i'm like supporting and trying to protest and get like good access to food in these neighborhoods
1: mm-hmm.
2: because it's just it's not fair and I people should be allowed to have the foods that they want and so I'm always out there marching getting trying to get grocery stores into these neighborhoods because they will make money so um, recently in in West Harlem they're actually open to Whole Foods which did piss me off because um, I'm like really of all the stores like I feel like we should get one that just has affordable groceries. But I will say the Whole Foods is giving back to the community um, in Harlem. So they've provided jobs to like most to the locals. I think almost everyone that works there is local in the neighborhood. And they carry a lot of the um. it's like the 365 brand, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like lower cost. And then they always do a lot of like um, they incorporate a lot of local chefs in Harlem for the like food Bars, the hot foods, which is I think great. Still, I'm like, this was the last thing Harlem needed is the Whole Foods, and I think it's because the neighborhood's getting like gentrified, which. Mm-hmm. Nice, you're hitting on so
1: much topics. You know, I'm even thinking to myself while you were talking, Lindsay, that this this problem goes far beyond food. It goes it's touching on like the structural architectural outlay of New York. And and I was remembering I took a road trip over the summer and I got lost somewhere in Kentucky, girls, <laughs> somewhere in Kentucky. And you could just actually see the different architectural outlays. Like one side of the train tracks was the hood. It had like three or four different fast food restaurants that you can see. And then the other side you saw all of these upscale grocery stores. And I was just like, huh, look at that. If
2: Everything should be equal and affordable because it's like, it just drives me crazy. Um, here in Texas, like I used to, when I was in school, I worked with a lot of um Hispanic population. Mm-hmm. The grocery stores in Texas are very superior to anywhere I've ever been. And mm. things are so much more affordable here I don't understand why. Um, so I like to take the populations I work with to the grocery stores here because everything's really affordable, but we also have different cultural foods. Like I at this grocery store, it's called HEV. They have so many types of mangoes and different types of food, and everything's like I would say like 50 cents around that price or like below. And so I would just expose them, and I would sneak little samples from, <laughs> them so they could try things and just like I'm like everything here is affordable. I mean, never leave Texas because then it's expensive. But I just oh, it drives me crazy that healthy food is seen as like expensive. Mm-hmm.
0: You know the funny thing is I'm I'm sitting here racking my brain because I have family in New Jersey, I have family all over New York. And I can't, you know, in Jersey, definitely there are grocery stores that are comparable or similar to what I see here down in the South Florida and Georgia. But I'm trying to think in New York, I don't remember these people going to bodegas is what I remember. And even like when you're watching like movies and stuff, you always see people going to the bodegas or like these corner stores to purchase food. But and I, I can't in real life remember my family going to... Like my family in Brooklyn going to grocery stores that I that are similar to here in um, Georgia, like big ones. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that, so I'm trying to think where where do these people shop for fresh food? I know they go places because they're Haitian and they eat fresh foods. I just don't know where it's at
2: there's not a lot like I have to it's I cry to my boyfriend all the time because he's actually from New York and I'm like I it here like <laughs> there's no grocery stores and he's like he's like he's just used to it because it's he grew up there and I'm like there is nothing I just I get joy walking around a really large grocery store and so I'm like this I have to travel far or get groceries delivered which is not very affordable mm. um if I want If I want actual foods that I want, sometimes I'll go to like they have a lot of like um, a popular thing in New York is like fruit stands on the sides of the street. Is it the most sanitary? I'm not exactly sure. I just I'll wash everything a lot. But they sell like fruits and vegetables and stuff in like little carts on the side of the street. Wow.
0: To wrap this up, I guess you can say. And this may be a reiteration of what you've said before, Lindsay. Do you think we can break the stigma surrounding food labeling? You know, for example, even on the Black people food side, do you think that there's a way that we can stop labeling foods like cornbread and neck bones and whatnot as Black people food and then cauliflower and chia puddings and whatnot as white people food?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to take, a lot of education and like effort by people, especially white people, to educate themselves. One on just like, on like the harm of stereotyping and like microaggressions and things like that. I think there's a lot of effort of white people needing to stop stereotyping so much and just um, incorporating each of the foods regularly into the diet. I mean, I my personally self, I don't count. I don't see cornbread is black people food because it's a very common food in Texas is like something that's at any like we have it a lot right and, but I think it's just like it's a lot on the education and exposure
0: right I totally agree to that definitely so is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners that you didn't say earlier on
2: I mean, I think just go out, and Google things, it, especially if you're a healthcare practitioner. Um, I had a, I just have, I like to read, and so like find books and stuff that um, are about these topics, and you know they can really provide you with an understanding of like where your patients are coming from. Because I feel like you're, as a healthcare practitioner, as a white per, in a white person, like you're the, these minority patients aren't they might not listen to you if you're not understanding like where they're coming from, Exactly. which is why I find it so important to like expose yourself and educate yourself.
1: You are so right. But Lindsay, thank you so much again for all of this insight. Um, we definitely yeah. appreciate it. So just to wrap up, tell the audience where they can find you on social media.
2: Um, you can find me on mainly on Instagram. Um, my handle is eat out, lose weight. Um, I mainly, I love to eat out. So I'm always talking about eating out and how to lose weight and eat healthy while doing it.
1: And Lindsay's link for her Instagram will be in our show notes. This was
0: so awesome. I learned a whole lot that I didn't know about up north. And I think the people who are listening are going to be very happy to learn some of this stuff.
2: Um, Well, I'm honored that you guys had me on. I find this to be such an important topic. And I love to educate people on this, so I'm glad to be here.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of season two, white people food tune in next week, where we continue this conversation with another dietitian by the name of Ladarius Madison, where we're going to be discussing black people food. Remember to leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening to. And also hop on over to our Facebook page, nutrition lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. So we can get that conversation started this week about white people food. Until next time.